0: Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. And in case you didn't know, I carried a big stick because I wanted to speak softly today. No, um, that's something else. Today is uh, College Sunday, and we had a lot of our college students lead us in the elements of our worship, and I hope you were blessed. Uh, We had some technical difficulties. Um, Maybe it is kind of just... Well, college is too. It's like, you know, that's not the college student's fault, but that's like college life too, right? Sometimes it's a mess. Okay. Um, Maybe, I don't know. All joking aside, I think uh, it's just an awesome time to have college students back with us. We can worship together. And um, we have college small group Bible study afterwards. So if you are in college or of college age, I just want to invite you to join us. We do tackle a lot of interesting, wonderful topics that we can talk about, uh, like worldviews and why we believe certain things that we do believe, and so it's going to be after our congregational meeting. We're going to have lunch served. It's going to be great, so if you're a college student or of college age, please do come join us, Uh, but we do have our congregational meeting before that, and it is a... An incredible season to be a part of Pilgrim. Um, we are going to elect two elders, two deacons, so that our church can be an independent entity, an independent church. We already function independently financially, but we want to also be independent with our decision-making, with you know the way we want to worship God. And so our KM, our Mother Church, has blessed us in this endeavor we're doing this together as a family and today marks that beginning so it's very exciting and i hope that you can join us um, if you're not a member of this church that i encourage you to be a part of it if you've been coming for uh, the last few weeks or a few months every few months we have a new members class that you can sign up and i'm probably going to start the next one in july so i encourage you to join us then We are on the series of Genesis, and in Genesis, it's so exciting to me. I can't help but to nerd out whenever I talk about Genesis, you know, you look through the Hebrew, you look through science and compare notes, and then you kind of um, go through the whole book and just see how amazing God is that four or 5,000 years ago when this this was written, uh, all this was said, and now we're seeing even these truths unfold. I think last week... I did like a half nerd out of the string theory and then the whole vibration, right? The oscillation of God hovering. And um, today is, is awesome because we get to talk about the Imago Day. The Imago Day is just Greek for the image of God. The image of God. And then, so, before we get into the image of God, uh, last week I ended with this statement, Before joy, there may be suffering in the wisdom of God, that the wisdom of God teaches us. Before the dance, there may be mourning. And before gladness, there may be sadness. So before joy, there may be suffering. Before the dance, there there may be mourning. And before gladness, there may be sadness. This goes to show us something incredibly important. There's a truth behind this. And that is, you are not your sadness. You could be sad at a certain point, but you are not sadness. Sadness, you are not the embodiment of sadness, and it can now we have another word for it. We call it depression, and we can call it anxiety. No matter what we go through, you are not the embodiment of sadness. This is important for us to realize because sadness comes and goes. So, I am not sadness. I may be in in a state of sadness, but I know that state will eventually come to pass. I could be in a state of mourning, but I know that that state will eventually come to pass. But I want to also turn it around too. And I also want to share with you, because this is so important, because if we are in a perpetual state of sadness, we think that we are, or I am, the definition of depression. I am depressed but what we don't really realize is that that also passes. It comes and goes. But I also want to turn around and say gladness, joy, or happiness, whatever way you want to define it, that also comes and goes too. You're not in a perpetual state of gladness either. You are not the embodiment of gladness. Sadness. They come and go. This is important for us to realize because what the the Imago Day is really going to give us is our identity, but what we have tried to find is our identity in other things. So our emotional state does not ultimately define us. This is what we have to realize. Your emotional state does not ultimately define you. Whether you are sad, depressed, happy, joyful, that's not who you are. It's a state in which you go through. And once you realize this, if it does not ultimately define me, then the question is, what ultimately defines me? Your finances do not define you. How much you make, how much you don't make. If you have a job, if you're on your career path, or if you're in a transitional period, it does not define you. Because that state will also come and go. Your financial state does not ultimately define you. Especially if you're suffering right now, and a lot of our families are, I want to tell you this. It will pass too. You will receive finances again. And I pray that you can glorify God with what you are given. And if you are well off and you're fortunate and you're making money, let me also warn you You will not always be in that state. You will not. Anybody who's lived more than 10, 20 years in the working field knows this to be true. There is this shaking period and a threat of shaking always, always. As stable as your company and your position as you might might think you are in, there's always talk of merger, acquisition, all these things. And then what happens? If you define yourself financially, what happens? Then you start shaking because that was your identity. Your political affiliation does not ultimately define you. A lot of people affiliate themselves as a Democrat or Republican or maybe uh, these days even Libertarian or Independent. Even political parties change and they morph. The Republican Party used to be a party which stood for equality and small government. Abraham Lincoln was part of the Republican Party, um, College Sunday. You should all know this, right? This is all American history, and it's about low taxes, small government, but now it has more from the 80s with Reagan economics, right? Now we have something called conservative values that we want to keep, so the Republican Party has now is now known for its keeping of conservative values, but I got to tell you, that's changed. It's changed over the last few decades. Political affiliation does not define you. But we see here there is so much of our identity is staked on what we affiliate ourselves with. You're not for this political candidate. Are you crazy? Are you an idiot? I can't respect who you are. In fact, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. I'm going to unfollow you on Instagram. That kind of thing. But I got to tell you, your political affiliation does not define you. Your life stage does not define you. Whether you are married, single, you have a child, you do not have a child, you're in college, post-college, you're working, not, not working, it does not define you because it too shall pass. Now these last two are some things that really are in the hot topic of today that I want to get into. And even though I can't comprehensively go into it, I always welcome discussion. You can always come talk to me. But this is important that we know our church's stance as well. Your sexual orientation does not define who you are. It doesn't define ultimately who you are. Your sexual orientation does not define who you are. Your race does not ultimately define who you are. I, I read a very interesting article the other day. It was an ex uh, NAACP leader. I'm not going to say her name, but uh, she was a leader, but she was recently let like, go oh, a few years ago because they found out. You know, if you don't know what NAACP is, um, that's that's terrible. <laughs> but uh, it's the, I think it's the, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, but it's, it's a group that. Um, really helps uh, African-Americans get their feet on the ground and is an advocate for minority rights. And anyway, uh, there was an ex-leader of the NAACP, and um, they let her go. Why did they let her go? And that was what was on the news. They let her go because she wasn't actually, she wasn't African-American. Um, she was actually white. And, but then in her mind, she identified as black so she would go on record saying I identify as black what's the big deal so if you look at her picture now uh, she has jerry curls and she has this really dark tan um, and they found out that she didn't actually grow up even in an urban neighborhood she grew up uh, in a suburban neighborhood and uh, she would tell stories about how she always identified as black And even when she drew herself, she would use brown crayons to draw herself. So what's the big deal? I identify as black. Let me be a leader in the NAACP. This is so interesting. It's it's intriguing because this is the questions millennials will face, and this is what you, in college, will be taught. You know, what you are, you define yourself. So what's the big deal here? honestly. So millennials will be able to, will, will be thinking about these questions, especially if you're in school or you have been in school recently. Like, what is the big deal? Don't they identify themselves as a certain kind of group or person? Um, and they eventually let her go and they said it's because of an integrity issue. Uh, she would tell all these stories about how she is black, uh, in her words. And... Um, they would interview her parents, and their parents would be like, no, she never used the brown crayon. I don't even know where she got that. Um, she was just a normal girl. And they would tell her story, and it had nothing to do with what she was saying. So in the end, she made up this reality about who she was, and she would tell the public, this is who I am, because look at all these things that have happened in myself. So I need to be, I relate to, to this affiliation, this group, but it was made up. None of it was true. And so they said it was an integrity issue. That's an interesting but very important question for us to know because that's the question that would be posed to you as you continue on living in this world. What ultimately defines you? What ultimately defines you? It's the Imago Day. The Imago Dei ultimately defines us. And if that is the case, then our highest, most authentic form of reality of who we are comes from the Imago Dei. In verse 27, it's undoubtedly in poetic form. They use the word create three times. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He's using this word bara, create, three times in the Bible because it has significance. This is now, in all of his creation, he is now building up to something and there is this pinnacle in this creation and boom, he stops at bara, bara, bara. The Day. It's pointed toward us. Which is crazy how so the image of god i have um what's that really means i have uh I have some pictures that you might have been seeing uh for the past few weeks is the pictures of the elders to be which we'll vote on i think we still have it right can we get that up there and what is an image an image is, and they use also another word likeness and when i thought of image i thought of an image a little image Right, So if we are the Imago Dei, then we are an image of God. What does that mean? We are not God. Although you might want us, you might think that you're God, you're not God. We're an image or a likeness of God. What is that? So how we deal with now our each other is completely different. So if we start defining terms as our emotional state defines us or our race defines us or our orientation defines sexual or not, whatever it is, defines us, then then, then, I, have, then I, I, I can't come from the same place. There are different places we're coming from. But if we say that we are all, all of us, whatever you believe, whatever your thought process is, or whatever you subscribe to, whatever it is, if you are human, you have the Imago Dei. Then it changes a lot of things. How we deal with a person that even disagrees with us it is dramatically changed so if this is an image of let's say sung and and this is just an image it's not sung right this is not sung this isn't that obvious but i went like this i went hey hey guy <laughs> hey guy why is that funny i'm just scratching up i'm scratching a paper why is that funny why is that weird and somewhat awkward hey, I got this for you, buddy. I got this. If I, if I, if I did that, why is that, Why does that promote a reaction from us? And if I started poking him or hitting him, why would that promote a reaction from us? Because when we say we are, you can take that on, These are too good looking. You know? I, I can't have that competition. But if we are the image of God and you have the Imago Dei in us, Then how we deal with each other is how we see God, too. How does creation know who God is? How did God tell the world of who he is? How did he share that and communicate that through the Imago Dei? Who did he give the Imago Dei to? He gave it to people. And so even if we disagree, even if we have a different different political affiliation, I like a different political candidate, I think differently about these topics, especially the hot topics. You still don't treat them like trash. You don't wish they were dead. How would you treat them? That's an important question for us as Christians to remember. We don't disrespect the picture, right? Because we see that if I disrespect and I started slashing the picture, I started slapping his face, just the image, not his face, I started slapping the image, what would you take it as? How would Song feel? I I doubt, I, I I don't know, I could be wrong, Song, but you wouldn't be like, yes, please, more. No, you wouldn't say that. It would be like, that's a little weird. Why are you doing that? You know, what are you trying to get at? How would you treat the image of God? You don't disrespect it. But also at the same time, you don't worship it. If I had a picture, I don't start worshiping it like it is sung. It's just a representation. It's an image, isn't it? So I'm not going to bow down to it. I'm not going to be like, oh, you're so beautiful and talk to it before I go to sleep every night. I don't do that. Just want to make sure that you guys know. I don't, I don't take an image of sung and then talk to, talk to the image and then kind of pet it, stroke it, and then go to sleep. I don't do that. That's weird. We, we, we don't worship images, right? Because that's not the real thing. It's a representation. But we don't disrespect it. We don't worship it. What do we do? What are image bearers? Back in the day, image bearers, were when king, or the king wasn't there, when the ultimate authority wasn't there, there was an image bearer, a signet bearer. And when the signet bearer came in or had the mark of the king, how would you treat that person? Whatever that person said is the same thing as what the king said, right? So you treat that person with respect because if you disrespected that person, then you would be disrespecting the king in a sense. So if it's an image bearer, that means when the king is not there, he or she represents him in the dominion of the earth, right? Or in the dominion of whatever authority or realm that the king has. See, I want us to realize that we need to get this first, We're always with the counter arguments, so if we disagree, then how do we lovingly disagree and those kind of things. But first things first, it's out of the imago day that our identity is given to us. That means we realize and remember that our identity has been given to us because God created us for a purpose, to bear his image, to be like him. That is why from the imago day, we work outward we work down, we work sideways, we work upward. From the Imago Dei, we can work. That is why we believe, as Christians, that race is sacred. Because out of the Imago Dei, God has gifted us with race. That's why I don't, I, I honestly, I don't believe, and I will, I will have a discussion or a debate, whatever it is, with pastors who might say, you know, we got to break down all racial barriers in the church, and... You know, we got to have all these different things. Otherwise, you're not really doing uh, the Great Commission. I, I don't believe that for one second because even in Revelations, what do we do? We, we worship God in our own languages, in our own culture, and this is who we are. And God, God loves it. He loves diversity. And so this is who we are. We, we believe that race is sacred because it's out of the imago Dei we've been given race Race comes out of the Imago Dei. That's why we believe sex is sacred. Because it is out of the Imago Dei that we've been given sex through covenantal marriage between one man and one woman. It's not that we make it up because we don't like other people. It's because out of the Imago Dei, God ordained it and he destined it to be this way. But you see, we can't think that way anymore. We need to understand why. Why can't we think that way? Because we have moved away from other people telling us what to do. And now we have moved toward a place where we want to say, I declare autonomy. The Imago Dei, or even day, God will not dictate to me who I am, what my purpose is. I want to be Autonomous. What does that mean? That means I want to dictate what my identity is. No one else can define terms for me except me. The irony about that is if we say that autonomously we want to dictate terms and identity for ourselves, this is the irony. Then our own definitions and terms, we have to take it and we must heteronomously. Dictate terms to the other, because even if you don't believe that, I need to dictate to you what I believe. So what what we believe is now autonomous becomes heteronomous, meaning now I need to push or shove what I believe to you. No, there's no such thing as complete autonomy and identity, because if I truly believe in something, then that person needs to respect it, right? That's what we say. That's step one. You need to respect what I believe is my identity, autonomy. But what happens when that person totally disagrees and says, actually, that infringes upon the my autonomy and what I believe to be true autonomously, and then that person will say, no, one needs to be greater than the other. And then it becomes not autonomous at all. That's the ironic part of it because... And no matter what, in the end, we have to dictate terms. And that's why now even college professors who've been teaching, um, you know, that relativity in, in philosophical terms or whatever the identity is, they need to come down and they need to say this one sentence. Yes, you need to believe that this is the absolute truth. That I need to push this to you and you need to receive it and then becomes heteronymous. It's not autonomous. And so when it comes to identity, autonomy does not work. Either someone will dictate it to you, or you will be the one dictating it to them. See, we believe that our identity is in God because God created us. He is the one that gets defined terms. That's why we say that race is sacred, that's why Christians, if you really know the Imago you are for racial equality. That's why we say sex, I'm sorry, race is sacred. That's why we say sex is sacred, because we are for marriage. And we see that through race and languages, God has worshipped in diversity. But we also see that through marriage, we see a picture of love. What is that love? In the Greek, there are four words for love. I'm sure you've learned it in Bible study if you grew up in the church It's agape, it's phileo, it's storge, and it's eros, right? Agape is sacrificial love. Phileo is like a brotherly or friendly love, right? We have storge, which is a protective love, or some people call it motherly love. And finally, we have eros, which is an erotic love. Eros, right? It's a passionate, erotic love. And so we have these kind of four loves, but where... In what institution does all four become displayed? And God shows us that marriage does. In Ephesians, we are reminded that marriage points to Christ and the bride. That that complete love is given to us. And in marriage between a man and a woman, it is also shown to us and it points to God. Because without God, agape is impossible. You can't have a sacrificial love without God because... He is the source of love. He is the source of agape. He is the one that first sacrificed for us, otherwise we could not have sacrificed at all. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. In the Greek, that word love is agape. Whoever does not agape doesn't know God because God is agape. And so if you want a completeness of love, God is showing us this is why I want you to realize that you start from me. You start from God. The imago day points to God. And that is why the blessing is given after the imago day is shown. What's the blessing? Be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue. These verbs he's gave us because he wants us to flourish. He doesn't want us to diminish. Even in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the, the plural form of the word you, it says, you know, for I know that I have plans for you, plural, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Our God wants to make sure our life flourishes, and he wants it to be joyful and glad. He wants us to succeed. These aren't things to bring us down, but in fact, these are things to help us succeed. So when we depart from this, when we depart from what God has given us, we see a breakdown of what we're seeing even now, currently. If you don't believe me, let's let it continue. And it will break down. um, Like it has been. We need to come back and realize that the Imago Dei given to us is what identifies us. God defines who we are. And once you realize this, if you look at it, and I, I talk about this a lot, this exegesis. When we talk about exegesis, I talk about the sandwich or the burger a lot. There is a burger here in this passage, and the burger is with the word dominion. It starts with dominion, talks about the Imago Dei, then ends with dominion. What is dominion? A lot of people have thought that dominion was simply to control and rule or to subjugate it, meaning like it's to imprison it. And people didn't like that. But actually, there is only one that really showed us the true dominion and what it means to have dominion. Dominion, I think now, is better described as stewardship because of what we've we've been given. We want to be good stewards. You know, when we move on and mature as a church, Whatever we've been given, we meet, the leaders meet and say, and talk about how we can, you know, have a good, balanced, responsible budget. Um, When we meet, we see what kind of ministries we have because we want to be good stewards of what God has given us. We don't just willy-nilly use it for whatever we want. But there is one who uniquely expresses the image of God's person and shows us what dominion is like of all the names that he could have called himself of all the titles he could have said this is who i am he used one title more than anything else jesus loved calling himself the son of man we worship him as god but remember he is also fully man And when he's fully man, you see how he exercised dominion, how he controlled and he subjugated. How did he do it? How did he do it? How did he walk on this earth? That's how we know how we are to have dominion. How are we supposed to do church as we go on? We look to the full person of who Jesus Christ is. That's how we do it. How do we love one another? We look to see how Jesus loved the other. This is the kind of love that he had for us. This is the kind of dominion that he showed when he gave this story. Dominion was actually a word that was ascribed to also shepherds. So they would have dominion over their herd. But Jesus tells a story about even when 99 out of 100 sheep were safe. And if you, are, if you are a shepherd, 99 out of 100 you get, that's pretty good. You would think, you know? Business, we talk about, oh, some cost, one is gone, what are you gonna do? We can't spend more money, that's too much. Too much effort, time, energy, it's dark, we can get hurt, right? I can't send someone else out. What did the good shepherd do? He went out at night and he looked for that one lost sheep. That one lost sheep is you. When you were out, you didn't care about Jesus. You didn't care about God. But you see, God comes, and he seeks, and he searches for you. That's the kind of love he has for you. When you didn't do anything to deserve his love, when all you thought about, this is, I just want to be autonomous, what's the big deal, God? He is the one that came and gave you love. When there was no identity in you, he filled it with his image. Our God is a good God. And he comes to us now. Even when we were astray, as dangerous as it was, he came out. And when Jesus came out, they caught him. They grabbed him. And they tortured him. And they nailed him to that cross, and he died. But you see, because Jesus is also God, he could not be kept down. And he rose again from the grave. Death could not hold him down. So now we believe in Jesus as our Savior. All you have to do is call his name and he will come saved. Let's pray. Lord God, we just want to thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us Imago Dei. We thank you, Lord, because when we try to define our own terms, there's only frustration, bitterness, envy, anger even. But, Lord God, we want to submit ourselves to you because, Lord God, you are ultimately love. And we see that all the things, all the blessings that we've received is because you want us to flourish. You want us to rise up. You want us to fulfill the purpose you've given us as your creation. So Lord, if there's anybody out here right now, there's anybody out here right now that's calling out to you, I pray that you would not wait, but that you would approach that person's heart. Because Lord God, you are good, and you are love. We thank you, Lord, for reaching out to us first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's just take a few minutes to meditate on the word and really reflect upon what it means to be and have the image of God.